Be inspired to love life, to achieve extraordinary feats and to change the world around you for the better. Welcome to Love Your Life, Tell Your Story by Kathleen Marriott. With a passion for making classical music accessible and relevant in the 21st century, cellist Anthony Albrecht began producing concerts shortly after graduating from the Juilliard School in 2014. With a stunning international performance career, he has developed a world-class reputation for events characterised by generosity, outreach and connection to issues of social justice, conservation and sustainability. Welcome Anthony for his first story. Welcome to Love Your Life, Tell Your Story and we have the talented cellist Anthony Albrecht with us today and we're thrilled to have him here. So the title of your story today, Anthony, is what? Well, I think we'll call it Music for Nature, Creation from Desperation. What a wonderful title. Can you tell us a little bit more about that title? Sure, and thank you so much uh, for for having this conversation with me, Kathleen. I'm co-founder of the Bowerbird Collective, which is an Australian-based not-for-profit, and we make art for nature. So our mission is really to raise the profile of, of conservation efforts here in Australia and around the world by touching people emotionally through the art and the music that we create. So um, the Balbo Collective was founded um, by myself and, and Simone Slattery, who's a wonderful violinist uh, from Adelaide. And uh, we had known each other for some years um, through the, the classical music network and, and had enjoyed performing together. And I think realized we shared a passion not just for the performance of music in really relevant, um, engaging ways for the 21st century, but also to tell stories and specifically stories that touch on, on nature and conservation. So someone had a wonderful idea at that time in late 2017 to turn Tim Lowe's book, Where Song Began, into a live performance. So Where Song Began tells the story of how songbirds evolved on the Gondwana continent and specifically in Australia. Uh, so she was struck by the idea that song evolved here in this place and that the species that we as Australians are privileged to listen to almost on a daily basis are the oldest songsters in the world and, and have had such a profound impact on the sense of, of beauty that, that humanity holds and, and indeed on the way that humans uh, speak and, and sing themselves. So this book, um, and Tim Lowe's a, an, an author um, of wonderful popular science literature, the book, um, where song began had already, you know, been a, a success both in Australia and overseas. Um, and I think this was a really wonderful place to start. There's obviously a huge affinity between birdsong and, and music and the story 
had been so carefully told by Tim that all we had to do was really put the pieces together in a way that could be really engaging and, and moving for an audience um, in a live setting. Yes. So some somehow over a period of months we we put this together and it involved um, a lot of new skills for a pair of classical musicians, you know, including uh, film editing, sound editing, and and I think uh, curation and and design in a way that was much more intensive and demanding than anything that we'd done in the past. But the result was something we felt really proud of and that audiences responded to really well. And so that that one-hour performance where song began is, has now been performed throughout Australia and internationally more than 100 times. And it's led to a whole range of experiences that have been life-changing for us and have given us not only a sense of creative purpose, but also the sense that we're, you know, having a small but but meaningful impact for conservation here in Australia. And so we'll, we'll definitely talk about the the way in which we've we've worked on 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 this this mission of making art for nature today. And I guess just touching on the rest of the title of, of our talk, I think someone and I had a sense of the desperation that many people feel now in regards to negative environmental changes that are taking place. And to have an outlet as, a, as an individual, it doesn't matter what your, your skill set is or your abilities, if you're able to tap into your 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 skills and and your creativity to contribute to something that is meaningful i think desperation can be turned into purpose and and dedication mm, absolutely so you know it, it's it's given us a drive and a, and a and a mission and and a sense of doing something meaningful that that is yeah transformative so we feel lucky and, and it's great to be able to explore this with you today. Yes, and so when you say desperation, the desperation, is that the desperation to make changes and make awareness of what's happening in nature? Or is that your desperation exactly. internally? Well, both. Both, absolutely. So there is now great urgency and, and scientists throughout the world are are articulating just how urgent it is that we address issues such as climate change and biodiversity loss. And we're now at the stage where almost everyone as individuals, um, doesn't matter where you live in the world, can see these changes and feel them occurring. And I've grown up in a, in a family and in a community, I suppose, that that is aware of these these changes and and has been concerned about them for many years and to see that concern now translated into genuine fear and anxiety witnessing you know rising temperatures increased severity and frequency of 
of extreme weather and the continual loss of our biodiversity. These are all things that make you feel desperation. Mm-hmm. Um, we we want to change this, absolutely. But an individual can only do so much. So I think for everyone, there's a challenge of finding a way to contribute to these issues and not just to sit back and feel powerless and helpless. So as a classical musician, I honestly did feel a little bit powerless and helpless because often our craft involves performing to a particular segment of society, which is often, you know, white, wealthy and older than uh, the audience for a lot of other art forms. And I think in Australia, you know, many of those people other sorts of people who might be a bit indifferent to to environmental issues when voting in an election or something like that because i mean they're not, they're, they're not going to be around long enough to to really experience just how dramatic these changes um, are likely to be and there are some exceptions to that obviously there's a lot of passionate elders in our community who are very very active and vocal um, in advocating for for positive change for for the environment, but I guess we wanted to not only perform to a broader audience through our work as the Bowbird Collective, but whatever audience we were reaching, we wanted them to come away from experiencing what we do with a sense of emotional engagement with these issues that could not be forgotten you know it had to be something beautiful enough that they experience in this hall that we perform for them that they they don't forget it and they 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 hold on to this experience and it hopefully informs their connection to nature and their motivation to to act into the future I have personally been to see um, your live performance but I'm also aware that you've created an album and Mm. that album has been extraordinarily successful and your performance is breathtaking there's no doubt so it's um you know it's um incredible so can you share some of the insights into the process of creating an album of endangered bird sounds absolutely so after working primarily in the space of live performance for some years of course we we entered into this period of lockdowns through the pandemic and so Simone and I had to come up with ways to continue working and continue telling these stories that was relevant to the times and a lot more of what we did through that period you know between 2020 and perhaps middle of 2022 was um, digital so we created a an album called songs of disappearance and that project emerged um, out of my desire to understand our impact on audiences so not just a kind of anecdotal sense that we got an enthusiastic reception from an audience and felt like yeah. you know we we'd done a good thing by playing to them. we actually wanted to know well, how do these people think and feel before they come to our shows and then after? So I actually signed up for a PhD in this area through Charles Darwin University in, in Darwin, Australia. 
And my supervisor, Professor Stephen Garnett, he's an esteemed uh, scientist and conservation advocate. And he, he was preparing a major report in early 2021 um, that describes the, the current state of Australia's threatened birds. And as part of our discussions about what I would do during the PhD and as a way to promote the report and the, the key uh, statements of the report, namely, you know, that one in six of Australia's birds are threatened. Wow. He said, well, what could the Bowbird Collective do? And I said, well, actually, I have an idea. You know, I, it occurred to me immediately that we could um, imitate a project in the UK where the folk singer Sam Lee and a guy called Bill Barclay, who at the time worked for the Shakespeare Globe Theatre and um, the Royal Society for Protection of Birds, um, which is the UK's largest bird conservation organisation. They got together and they released a single, as in a, a, a musical track, but composed entirely of the sounds of British birds. And this was called Let Nature Sing. And they got that track to, I think, number 18 on the British pop charts, which is a big achievement and, and certainly created some headlines. But I thought, oh, why don't we go one step further? Let's put the sounds of only threatened birds on an album. Uh, okay. As opposed to just your general um, species that, that people might be familiar with. So threatened species that feature in the report um, that my supervisor Stephen was writing and then we'll create a whole album. So people will have the chance to actually listen to all of these birds and contemplate the loss of that sound from our incredible soundscape here in Australia. And so because Stephen's very well connected in the, the science and conservation community, we were able to source recordings of threatened birds from a wonderful recording artist. I guess you could call him an artist. His name's David Stewart, and he spent many decades traveling throughout Australia recording these birds. We put his recordings on an album. Uh, we collaborated with a beautiful Indigenous artist from Fitzroy Crossing called Mervyn Street, who created the cover art for the album. And then and we it, collaborated and it, with... And it's beautiful too, Anthony, that... Yeah, Mervyn's a very respected artist and, you know, we were privileged that he was sort of, I guess, sharing his vision of the Australian landscape and his appreciation for these birds through his work. But we then, we then collaborated with BirdLife Australia, which is Australia's largest bird conservation organisation, to release the album. And we had no idea whether this was going to work, honestly, like, do people even buy CDs anymore? We didn't know for sure. <laughs> but the, the idea was that if we promoted it as a way for people to essentially vote for these birds on the charts, raise the profile of Australia's threatened birds through the novelty of competing with the, the world's biggest pop stars, that we might end up um, actually generating some some headlines and, and 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 bringing this issue to the attention of people through an artistic creation and through something that 
is essentially emotional rather than, you know, the cold sort of technical nature of statistics and things like that, that this report contained. So essentially we were successful. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was quite absurd. We, we sold many thousands of copies of the album, both on CD and for digital download. Songs of Disappearance uh, reached number two in the ARIA Number charts, two. Um, <laughs> beaten only by the dearly departed. Oh, no, sorry, it wasn't Meatloaf. I thought it was Meatloaf. It was actually the the, the new metal band whose name I've forgotten currently. That it will, it will come to me, but I guess you never know when a, when a, when a big band or an artist is going to release an album and our and our bird song you know initially it came out at, at number five on the charts which is already amazing yeah then got to number three good. and in the week that we thought it was going to get to number one it just got beaten by a, a new release by an internationally famous band so, we so Taylor Swift. we beat taylor we beat, we beat um, taylor <laughs> we beat you know adele ed sheeran Michael Bublé, Mariah Carey at Christmas. Um, it, it, it was really astonishing and, and it generated international media attention. You know, we, we had articles in BBC, CNN, New York Times, The Guardian, The Washington Post. We did blog, uh, well, um, podcasts actually for, for NPR in the US. We had people from all around the world purchasing this album of wacky Australian bird sounds. And it was glorious, you know, yeah. it was absolutely beautiful thing to see the work of these scientists in putting together this vital report that, that, you know, hopefully will shape environmental policy in Australia because. And the influence you know, to, to, on, on people's desperation to yeah. want to conserve the nature of, natural environment with birds absolutely i mean a lot of people would never have heard these birds before even people who consider themselves bird watchers mm. you know they're some of the most in threatened species on earth you know some of them are there's only hundreds of of individual animals remaining and the the loss of these sounds from our soundscape is something i i consider and i think many people consider to be unacceptable and tragic and so it, it was songs of disappearance was a manifestation of this desperation that that we felt to contribute to telling this story and it was difficult i mean we we didn't know what we were doing we had some help from within the music industry but they thought we were crazy you know <laughs> and i i think what what's beautiful is that it's now become an annual tradition you know, the, the, the crazy and the, the unknown has turned into something that people are excited about and, and that I think is, is a genuine part of the zeitgeist. You know, we, we've seen um, questions about songs of disappearance appear on primetime quiz shows on Australian TV. You know, we've, we've done something as classical musicians that we never really imagined. No. And you know we're, we'll we'll be publicly announcing probably before this this interview is aired that our third album of songs of disappearance this year, mm. after the birds and the frogs, is 
threatened mammals. So at Christmas time, people are going to be listening to the sounds of grunting koalas and screaming gliders and, you know, bellowing seals and things like that. And, and this year our, our, our partnership is with the Australian Conservation Foundation. So to be working with major organisations like this is a real privilege. We feel so lucky. Um, we're so grateful for the contributions that so many people have made to the success of these albums. And, yeah, there's, there's just a huge number of people that, that contribute so much to make them possible. So, so our audience might know you, you, you've obviously intertwining quite a few parts of your personality here we've had on our show here your father dr glenn albrecht and your sister dr claire albrecht and we've now <laughs> we have you as well so in your family your genetics you have quite an interesting mix and certainly i had had the privilege of meeting some of your grandparents as well so the conservation and the environment is definitely part of your genes so here we have this is you're the musician here i oh, know your sister is too but can you tell us how important or tell us the significance for you to have this unique album or this unique dedication to the environment that you can put out there with you and Simone. I mean, we have to thank her as well in this um, mm. album. The significance for you, or maybe these new, you're telling me, I didn't know about these upcoming pro projects or performance. <laughs> Could you share with our Look, listeners this significance in that these unique situations for you, given your, I suppose, genetic background is for you <laughs> yeah thanks kathleen and yeah i certainly appreciate you you mentioning how how much simon has brought to these projects and yeah it, it, it there's there's a combination of of many things that has made the balbert collective work as a as an organization and that allowed our our albums um, songs of disappearance to to have success but yeah Simone's just a wonderfully creative person and um, so passionate about these issues so desperate to convey just how beautiful nature is and and I think is keenly aware of how music is a, a great tool to convey that to people Someone arranged the title tracks and, and will arrange the title track of this upcoming album. So it's, um, I guess, her her artful way of combining sounds and weaving stories together that has been a big part of our work. But, yeah, I would say in terms of significance, I mean, there's just such a sense of privilege that we have been able to take the passion for music that we've worked very hard on, which gives us, I think, a keen appreciation of beauty. We're very, we're able to listen very closely to things and, and really, I guess, contemplate how we can use sound for 
storytelling. And, and I think there's, there's just such an extraordinary passionate community of people who are committed to protecting and restoring nature and for us to be able to connect with them in recent years and in continue to build connections with that community now um it's it's yeah one of one of the most significant and, and empowering and and inspiring um things that that we've done in our lives no doubt and i i do think that the the family also that Simone grew up in have, have been very important in shaping this, whether mm. it's um, whether it's genetic or not. I think it's our families have an awareness of the beauty in the world. Yes. And they've want they've wanted to share that with us and they've wanted to share it and and celebrate it with others. And so they all do that in their own ways. Um, you know, my, my father's a philosopher, he was, um, trained to be an ornithologist, but he probably told a bit about how he, he, you know, converted to, to, to thinking for a career in, in your interview with him, but he's always been, um, deeply passionate about the environment and he and mum together, um, you know, shaped um, our, our our passion, Claire and Sarah and I, for for nature and for music. Um, they they didn't they didn't force us to play music. They they encouraged us to do so, and and I think in in helping us to stay committed to it, have, have given us a lifelong pleasure and passion for for sound and and beauty and and the fun of you know, making music. Um, so I'm really grateful to them. And, you know, Simone's father's also uh, a musician and he he was a, yeah, wonderful character and, and someone who I think, although he lived in, in the United States for, for most of his life and Simone lived in Australia, I think their relationship was one that gave her, yeah, a great deal of of um, sense of just the joy of life and and how to yeah use use music as a as a way to bring people together. And Simone's mother Maggie's a beautiful uh, poet and contributed a lot to to our work through her poetry. And she's also someone who. I think just cultivates a really beautiful sense of community and and a, a sense of care for each other in the people around her. Certainly, Simone has that, and um, and Simone's stepfather John is a um, environmental architect and you know has huge values um, for aesthetics and and for just you know I guess a real warm and loving um approach to relationships and and to um the way in which we 
connect as 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 human beings and and I think all of these values are embodied in what we do in some way. I think there's a real um, a real sense of care taken to produce work that people can really dwell in and 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 find solace in and find inspiration in. You know, we're not making decisions just randomly, like everything that we're doing is trying to get closer and closer to a an understanding of what do people find to be inspiring? What do people find to be motivating? How can we overcome powerlessness and fear and desperation in our community and translate this into a sense of being capable and empowered and ready to contribute in whatever way you can to address these these very serious issues. Um, because honestly, without without our threatened birds and frogs and mammals and and the habitat that they need. I mean, we're, we're nothing. This, this place will be so bereft of, of the beauty that, that has inspired humanity to create so many wonderful things that has inspired the music that we play, the, the art that, that we incorporate into our work, the poetry, you know, I, I feel like more than anything, our identity as Australians is shaped by this place and the incredible environment that we share with so many wonderful, unique species. If, if we don't prioritise our relationship with that environment, if we don't see it as an essential part of ourselves, then, you know, our, we're, our cause is kind of hopeless. So, well, it's wonderful that you have that desperation, Anthony, because it is so inspiring, <laughs> and your work is incredible. And for anybody who is privileged enough to be anywhere where you are playing, and I know that you play around Australia, where can people find links to your work? Yeah, well, I, I think the the best place to start is our website for the Bowbird Collective, which is www.bowerbirdcollective.org. There's a lot of information on there and links to our various projects and lots of exciting developments all the time. We, we do our best to keep the website up to date, but for example, this year, you know, we were able to have the, the, the great privilege of um, signing up two patterns. So we now have a patron for conservation, incredible Dr. Jane Goodall, who's a wow. global, global icon <laughs> yeah. for, for conservation, and, and also Professor Anne Polina is our patron for country, and uh, Nikina Elder um, who lives in, in Broome, and yeah. she's, she was responsible for connecting us with, with Mervyn Street in Fitzroy Crossing and 
I guess is a total inspiration to us in working with Indigenous Australians, collaborating on an, on work with Indigenous Australians, and 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 using that incredible thousands of years old relationship with with country as the basis for our approach. And yeah, we're so lucky that some of our our work nowadays is is um yeah being developed in in deep collaboration with indigenous artists and musicians around australia uh, so bowwordcollective.org is is a great website and people can also visit songsofdisappearance.com um, to to check out that project so this raising awareness of endangered species out of desperation has been a phenomenal success and of course the beautiful music that you make in your live performances also continues to be successful in raising awareness and you have new projects going on all of the time by the time this is produced probably um, in a few months time there'll be more work out there as well so congratulations and like i said your work is transgenerational and of course your daughter is also a fabulous musician as young as she is so it will continue i believe to be further in the generations Anthony, you have a unique way of thinking and we are blessed to have you on this show um, as an interview. And thank you so much for being a guest on Love Your Life, Tell Your Story. And when people do come to see your shows, um, often you do talk and it's wonderful to hear your thinking and how you um, express yourself. So thank you so much for being a guest. Oh, it's my great pleasure, Kathleen, and I really value the chance to, to talk about anything at all with you, let alone these exciting things that, that I've been up to in recent years. And I guess just in closing, I'd just love to say that as a, as a cellist and, and actually a trained Baroque cellist, you know, I'm someone who's got a, a, a really bizarre niche and unusual skills that aren't necessarily complementary, but whatever whatever it is, I think, that, that has allowed all these things to happen in the last few years. And certainly that's in the most part down to collaboration. None of this has happened thanks to any one person. I would just say that anyone listening should consider their voice and how they can share it and, and what they can do to share stories with the things that they're passionate about with their community and Honestly, if with my weird niche things in life, if, if, if I can do things that have meaningful impact for nature, I'm sure anyone listening can too. And please get in touch with us. We'd be happy to, to talk with you about how, how you might do this in your own life. So thank you again, Kathleen. And uh, yeah, really, really appreciate the chance to be part of your podcast. This is only part of our story. To hear the rest, leap forward to the next podcast and give us five stars wherever you listen. Love Your Life, Tell Your Story by Kathleen Marriott.